How do you make business problems disappear? Wrap them in bacon. For business owners, marketing execs, and anyone trying to grow your business, pump your profits, and make more while doing less, welcome to Bacon Wrapped Business with Brad Costanzo. Sizzling hot business advice guaranteed to make you fat. Profits? Every week our chefs will serve you proven recipes for ramping up your revenue. Now here's your host, Brad Costanzo. And welcome back to Bacon Wrap Business. This is Brad Costanzo. I appreciate everybody who has been tuning in for the past couple years that I've been doing this. But if this is your very first time listening to the show, I want to welcome you. I think uh, if you go back and uh, check out some of the past episodes that I, myself and my guests have done, you'll find a plethora of really great topics around all different types of problems and solutions and tactics and strategies in business because I really use this podcast as a platform to meet amazing people doing cool stuff and I get to pick their brain and let you listen in and be a fly on the wall on conversations I want to have with people I want to talk to and I've been told many times that uh, you know, I should actually charge for the content in this in this podcast, but I don't. However, if you ever want to pay me back, the best thing you can do is share the podcast on social media, talk to your friends about it, and leave me a review on iTunes. Love those. By the way, before we get uh, into today's guest, I want to uh, encourage you, if you ever have a question, if you have a suggestion, if you want to talk to me, send an email to askbrad at baconwrappedbusiness.com. I read the emails. I try to reply as quickly as possible. And uh, I love hearing from my listeners. So thank you once more. So today we are going to talk to Tim Francis. Tim is the founder of greatassistant.com and Profit Factory. And um, we're going to talk today about really offloading some of the some of the grunt work, some of the work that you're doing that is not the most productive use of your time. I think if, uh, I, I don't think I need to talk too much today about the benefits of having a, an assistant and not doing everything yourself, but uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that because it's an easy trap to fall into. I know I fall into it. And back a couple months ago at the Traffic and Conversion Summit, I was uh, invited to a small dinner with uh, several other digital marketing entrepreneurs, including Tim. And we sat down and we talked a little bit and we caught up a little bit more. And when I found out what he was really up to, it uh, it got me really curious. So I decided to invite him on the show to you today to talk to you guys about, um, you know, some of the biggest problems that entrepreneurs face when hiring an assistant and uh, reasons assistants fail and Wait, you know, places to find really good ones and and how to manage them correctly. So, uh, I'm going through a growth stage in my business where uh, hiring and delegating is a very important part as well. So, you're going to hear me ask some questions that I want to know the answers to, as always. And I hope that um, he's able to answer some questions for you as well. It, if you get cut off and you want to hear more about Tim, you can go to greatassistant.com and check him out. But without any further ado, let me welcome Tim to the show. How are you, buddy? I'm excited for you to help me get fat profits. Yeah, buddy. You got to <laughs> profits. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. Well, man, it's, a, it's good to have you on the show. This is not a topic we've actually covered, and it's one of the biggest topics out there. I take that back. We have covered 
the topic of getting help in your business in the past with some of my guests like Mark Winters, who is the uh, co-author of Rocket Fuel, where he really talks about the uh, importance of getting a a, um, a an amazing operations manager and an integrator for the for the visionary entrepreneur. But uh, this is a really perfect segue because that's like how to find, in essence, your partner in running the whole thing. And correct me if I'm wrong, where you really focus is helping entrepreneurs, executives, and people get great assistance to just help their lives run smoothly. Is that a good assessment? Yeah. Oftentimes, the very first person we need to hire, whether we actually do it or not, is a different story. But oftentimes, the first person we need is someone who can almost act as a mini-me to keep plates spinning. I mean, as entrepreneurs, we're great at starting projects, and we need someone to kind of babysit those, make sure they cross the finish line. Correct. I know that you know what got me into the world of digital marketing, like a lot of people, I read Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek, and for the first time in my life, I was turned on to the concept of virtual assistance and global arbitrage of labor. I can, you tell me I can get somebody over in the Philippines or India for three to five bucks an hour to do some of my tasks. That's great. And I started to do it, and then I realized that, oh, crap, this is not as easy or as efficient as... Uh, you know, Tim talked about, although it was probably because I did a lot of things wrong. But I fell into the trap of I got into the business because I could do a lot of this uh, outsourcing and I ended up not doing it. And I became an accidental expert in everything because I just didn't really know how to find great assistants. I didn't know how to manage them and how to work with them correctly and monitor them because that wasn't my strength. And as a result, I ended up doing a lot more things myself than I should have. And I'm probably, I probably would have been a lot further along in my, in my career than I, than I am now had I, had I kind of understood this early. Do you find that as a common problem? or? So I, I so appreciate you sharing your journey. Um, and don't beat yourself up too much, Brad. Um, check this out. In fall of 2015, we surveyed 149 entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. We asked them one single question. We said, what is your single biggest roadblock or frustration with getting a great assistant? No kidding, Brad. 98.7%. <laughs> so nearly 100%. 98.7% had one or many of these big six concerns. There weren't 20 concerns. There weren't 200 concerns. There was just six concerns that popped up for every single uh, every single entrepreneur. The first was, I don't know how to trust or release control. Number two is, how much should I pay them? I don't know how to make them profitable, kind of the money question. The third was, I don't have the time to train them. The fourth is, I don't have the ongoing time to manage them or fix their mistakes or coach them along the way. The fifth was, I don't know where to find them. And the sixth and final of the big six concerns was, I don't know what to delegate. So you just rattled off three of the six and <laughs> don't beat yourself up too much. We all go through it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it, it's a part of the growing process because in the very beginning, depending on where you're at, you don't even have enough work for the assistant to do. You don't have, uh, you know, you're still kind of scrambling around and trying to uh, figure out what plates you're going to spin, let alone delegating somebody else to, you know, to keep spinning them, to use that analogy. Um Tell me what, you know, we were talking a little bit offline. Uh, Once more, I'm not going to harp on the benefits of having a great assistant. I think everybody understands. It allows you to do what you're you're best at and to do more of it. Um, But one of the things I'll share with you and the listeners that had a big uh, impact on my 
thoughts around this, especially when it comes to giving up my money to have somebody else do something that I could easily do myself, right? Like $10 an hour work, $5 an hour, $20 an hour work or whatever. Um, one of my former clients, one of my close friends and a former guest on the show, Kent Clothier, who's got a big real estate investment services business, um, he, he had hired, he was hiring a nanny for his wife and his wife does not have a job outside the house, right? They've got their two kids and she's like, I don't, you know, they make a lot of money, but you know, they're still cognizant of this and they're like, yeah, I don't need to hire a nanny. You don't need to hire a nanny for me, like 20 bucks an hour or whatever. You don't need to pay her 20 bucks an hour to do what I could do during the day. And he said, no, you don't understand. I'm not paying her 20 bucks an hour for her time. I'm buying an hour of my wife's time, an hour of my wife's life for 20 bucks an hour. That's a steal. That's basically free. Why would I not buy more time with you? Why would I not uh, pay that money to get the best out of you and make sure you're in a great mood and not stressed down with the kids? And it was a it was a little epiphany, which is yeah, same thing. You know, if I'm hiring somebody to do to manage my emails to do this, I'm not paying somebody ten dollars an hour or whatever it is for their time. I'm buying my time back at a discount. And that's a, that's a huge epiphany and a paradigm shift that a lot of people, I think, need to make. I know when I made it, it got easier to let go of the purse strings. So I think there's kind of two sides to that. And the, the concept you're talking about, and it's brilliant that you're touching on this, is the idea of opportunity cost. Yes. It's, it's not just about what am I spending. It's what am I not doing because I don't have more time. A lot of entrepreneurs die death by a thousand paper cuts. Oh, yeah. And it's 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there, 20 minutes here. And... I think that it's not just about creating one list to say, here's what I could outsource. It's creating a second list. And the second list would actually help you understand if it's the right time to get an assistant or not. I know I read the 4-Hour Workweek just like you did, Mm -hmm. and I got an assistant right away. And I spent about $10,000 on wages (laughs) and got basically nothing out of it because I didn't do a good job of being a good entrepreneur in the first place. So so there is a time that's too early to get an assistant. There's no question about that. So so this is the little exercise that that I encourage people to consider is, you know, certainly make a list of the ten to twenty dollar an hour tasks. And certainly that's what you could delegate. The second list though is if you did have an extra five hours a week or ten hours a week, where would you go put that time? If you can't get a clear list of what the fifty to five hundred or five thousand dollar an hour work is, then it's probably too soon because you're mm-hmm. just going to end up paying for an assistant and sitting around and not really knowing what to do. That's, so that has been my my folly in the past, where I did that exact same thing. It's like I just I had somebody on staff for years. And I was like, I just, I don't know, like, just stay on staff and keep taking my money. I'm cool. <laughs> like, because I didn't, yeah, have, yeah except for that so, exact so reason. For, for me, I realized, because at the time when I first got my assistant, um, actually my current assistant, so it was about three and a half, four years ago, um, I realized that because I had a marketing agency, I could just go to my same clients and offer them more services. So we already knew how to do Google ads and we already knew how to set up websites and do email marketing and whatnot. However, some of our clients were only getting some of those services from us. And I realized if I had an assistant that took over the $10 an hour to $20 an hour work of processing invoices and running credit cards and work like that, 
that that would free me up to do more of the strategy work with clients and the high level work like writing copy or managing more Google ad accounts or whatever. And so for me, it became a very fast, direct, straight line to how I could kind of climb that 80-20 curve. All of us, you know, everybody listening to this podcast has an 80-20 curve in their day-to-day work. There's 80% of the work that you do is in that lower tier of work. And then there's that top 20% that really is what makes the dollars sing and the cash register ring. Have you read Perry Marshall's book, 80-20 Sales and Marketing? So Perry and I spoke together at the 80-20 Summit, which is an event my company put on. And we're doing it again. Actually, we're doing it in San Diego this year. Oh, great. Let me know when. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah that be, was a you know, great book. And I, I, you know that little chart he had in his book? It was like mm-hmm. a grid of ten, hundred thousand, and ten thousand dollar an hour tasks. Yeah, right. I, I, I copied that, printed it out. It's on my wall just as a reminder. Like, quit doing oh, yeah. ten dollar an hour work, idiot. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so the, the challenge though becomes it's you know okay, so great. So we've got our two lists. We've got our fifty dollar an hour work, which it's kind of surprising when you start unpacking and I think that's one of the biggest roadblocks that entrepreneurs don't realize is if you take pretty much any task and you unpack it into what's the strategy and what's the high level skill and then what's everything else you realize that pretty much everything does have a strategy component every almost everything does have a high level skill component and it's everything else that you need to get off your plate. So the setup, the coordination, the maintenance, the reporting, the customer and tech support, the common tasks, all of that type stuff. So if we take something like copywriting, you might say, well, it's impossible to delegate that to an assistant. And, and I challenge you with actually, it's a tool we developed called the Magic Matrix. It was something I realized that if we, if, even if we took something that seems impossible to offload like copywriting and we break it into the subparts, We realize, hey, even if you had a copywriting client, there is an element of that client that's customer support, such as billing. Mm -hmm. There is a part of that client that is doing research or doing some kind of setup of copy or making sure that the, the, uh, you know, checking the results of the split tests of the copy that you've written. So there's always pieces of work if we unpack it that we realize is strategy and high level skill and that's probably what we need to hold on to and then everything else probably does need to be handed off to an assistant. Yeah. By the way, uh, as a side note, here's how I use the 80-20 rule with the twist to mm-hmm. uh, get copy done. Uh, think of it as the 10-80-10 rule, meaning mm-hmm. I may have an idea for copy and I, I don't work with just a, like an, an administrative assistant on this. This is how I'd work with a copywriter because the, yep. one of the worst things you can do, it's expensive and it sucks for both you and the copywriter is giving them a blank piece of paper with a concept. Here, I've got a, an offer on weight loss. Write me a sales letter or video. Uh, but instead, I'll do the first 10%. I'll get the framework. I'll get the hook, the story elements, and what the offer is, and the basic points. And then I'll give it to them to, to do the next 80%. And then they give it back to me to polish off the final 10%. So I'm really only doing 20% of the work, but I'm doing... Uh, arguably the most important and the most expensive is the front end and the back end because any good copywriter, I mean, a copywriter would normally charge you $5,000 for a sales letter. I've got them to do it for $1,000, right? Like 80% of the work for $1,000 because I took the hardest part off of their back because I didn't mind laying out the framework and then polishing it up. So I call that my 
Yeah, you're, you're reminding me of something Mike Rhodes taught me. Mike Rhodes is actually Perry's co-author on the Ultimate Guide to Google AdWords these yeah. days. And and Mike and I, we both spoke at uh, Baby Bathwater. And yep. um, Mike Mike taught me what he calls hourglass. And so it's exactly what you're talking about, that the first 10% of any task or project is leading the work. Correct. What is the vision? <clears throat> what resources do we need and whatnot? Um, then the middle 80% is actually doing the work, and then the last 10% is reviewing the work, whatever that means. And in your case, it's copywriting. That could also mean, though, booking travel. That could mean setting up a website. I mean, it really could be anything. And I think that that's the chasm that entrepreneurs need to jump. You and I were talking about the skills that got us here will keep us here, but won't get us there. And so, you know, at some point, you can, I mean, you can move faster by cycling harder on your bicycle. But at some point, you can only bike so quickly, and you literally need a different vehicle. And that's the chasm a lot of entrepreneurs will get up into, you know, maybe a million in sales, maybe less, maybe more. But the point is, is the business is now cranking some cash. And then they hit the limit of what Mike Dillard, he and I actually at the same event, we're talking about this, the stupid human trick. <laughs> you're re- you know, you're really good, and marketing got you up to a million in sales or 750 or 2 million or whatever the number is. Um However, at some point now, we need to transition. We need to graduate from leading, uh, from, from doing the work ourselves to actually leading the work. And that's where the tool that you and I were talking about, 360 Delegation, comes in. So let's, so let's – I want to dive into 360 Delegation because that's – that's I know, as I mentioned before, that's been one of my biggest uh, hassles is myself, which is uh, I, I may have the best assistant in the world, but if I don't know how to delegate, then – uh, I'm wasting very, very precious resources, and and I, there's an opportunity cost of me. I mean, I may as well not even have an assistant. It's worse because you're just throwing money away. But I know that that's been my uh, issue. And going back, I mentioned this the other day when in our conversation. I know I uh, mentioned the book Rocket Fuel, which is the the relationship between like the CEO and the COO. Mm-hmm. And in there, there was a passage that said, "People who are high visionaries, you know, you've got entrepreneurial ADD. You're you're all over the place, but you know, you're a great idea man, but you're not exactly the best ex- executor all the time." Uh, it says, "You know, one of the best things you can do is work with, uh, you know, recruit and manage a team, but you haven't usually done that because you haven't needed to. You've just right. through brute force of your own, just kind of pushed through." And I know that's been a big thing for myself and. Uh, it's also one of the things I've realized. You just hit on it, which was the skills that got me to where I'm at will actually keep me where I'm at. They'll keep me from rising unless I, uh, unless I uh, switch gears and learn some new stuff. And delegation is one of those. So let's let's dive more into this because it's a topic that's near and dear. Yeah, you bet. So there's, I mean, there's really three reasons an assistant would fail, and the third is that delegation piece. Um, And the concept I came up with is called 360 delegation, and it actually clicks perfectly and is complementary to Mike's idea of hourglass. And so 360 delegation is, it's not software, um, it's not an app on your phone, it's literally a thinking tool, it's a leadership tool, and so you can use it anytime you need to delegate something to a teammate. And that could be if it's a Slack message, a text message, an email, a live face-to-face conversation, a Google Doc, like any platform, any media, it's it's a thinking tool. So the three parts, and for those of you listening to this at home, you can go to 
our other website, profitfactory.com forward slash 360 delegation, and you'll see that I've actually listed everything on that blog post. Um, some of our clients literally have their entire staff bookmark profitfactory.com forward slash 360 delegation because it cleans up so many of the problems that come from delegating otherwise. Um, delegation done poorly leads to tons of changeover where people have to stop what they're doing and ask a question. Stop what they're doing and ask a question. It's ping pong, ping pong, ping pong. It's kind of the classic, you know, hey, Brad, are you available at, for dinner at 3 o'clock today? No. How about tomorrow between 4 and 6? No. How about Saturday? And it's just the back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So we can, we can get rid of that problem. We can get rid of the problem of rework, which is the second major drain on productivity. Mm-hmm. And that's when, when people do a perfect job but build the wrong thing because we gave them the wrong vision. Or maybe they just didn't have the skills in the first place and they made a bunch of mistakes. And the third big cost in project management is uh, delayed delivery. So every time you have a, a ton of the first two, you end up with stuff just happening late. Now you have to pay rush fees and overnight shipping and all these other fresh, you know renegotiating contracts policy with other people it's like yeah. it gets real taxing so so we can solve actually almost 100% of those three big wastes if we can do a good job with 360 delegation so 360 delegation is three parts it's vision it's resources and it's definition of done and again i list all of this at profitfactor.com forward slash 360 delegation so don't feel like you have to scribble a bunch of notes right now um, it's the number three, the number six, the number zero, and then the word delegation. The vision includes, like, what are we looking to get done? What's the timeline to start? Are there milestones or different deadlines along the way? Is there an ultimate drop-dead deadline at the end? And this is a huge one, Brad, is can, can you show me a sample of success? And when we can show somebody a sample of success, that instantly clears up a thousand questions. It's kind of like the classic, a picture's worth a thousand words. If I want to delegate to my assistant her making a report, well, if I, even with a pen and paper on, you know, a napkin or something, just scratch out, this, these are the headings that I want, here's the sub points, here's the metrics I want you to pull, here's the dashboard I want you to build, and I show her a sample of success. Even if it's slow tech, no tech, paper and napkin, at least now she can see a sample of what we're talking about. And the same applies, let's say if you're going to have somebody edit this podcast episode, if you were to give them a sample example of Bacon Wrap Business Podcast and have them listen to it to get a sense of the kinds of edits and cuts and background music and everything, it's it's exact same principle. Can we show our person the, a sample of success? So there's there's more to vision, but that's, that's kind of a quick pass through it. That's uh, it's important though. Very important. And a lot of entrepreneurs will say, oh, this is such a drag. I don't want to have to sit here and get all detailed and go through all this. And it's like, okay, well, you don't have to. But if if you're going to move from the middle percent, the middle 80% of doing the work to the first 10% of leading the work, your job actually is to do 360 delegation. That like that is your new job. (laughs) Your old job was to write the copy or edit the podcast episode. Your new job is not to do those things anymore, but is now to lead the work and 360 delegation is the tool that takes you to the promised land. So the second of the three parts after vision is what's called resource. And it's a, the, the, the list on the blog post that you'll see handles about 95% of the situations. I've been, for two years now, I've been constantly adding to that list and now it's quite comprehensive. So when we're thinking through the resources section, we're thinking through, is there access that 
this other person's going to need who I'm delegating to? Is it website passwords, you know, usernames, passwords? Is there online storage that, that they need to get access to, like a Dropbox account to get a file? Is there, are there any language barriers that we're going to be facing? Is there any um, knowledge gaps such as training courses that this, you know, that my assistant's going to need? Um, or are there consultants that I need to connect my assistant to so she can go to somebody else who knows how to get the job done and she can just kind of oversee the work? So there's all these spots that different kinds of resources that people need to get things done. Sometimes it's a checklist. Sometimes it's a decision-making guideline, so they have authority. And at the end of the day, if you don't give somebody the resources they need, every time they're missing a resource, they have to stop. If you can think ahead of time and say, oh, here's all the resources you need, spend up to $50, you know, don't ask me, like Tim Ferriss actually has an example in the four-hour work week. He was working with the call center and he, he finally just was overwhelmed by all their questions. He said, look, if you can fix it for less than $50, just fix it. Don't ask me any questions. So that's, exactly. That's what, that's empower what I them. Yeah, empower them yeah. to actually take some, take some initiative on their own. Right. And so what I would call that is a decision-making guideline. Mm. I'm giving you a guideline on how to make a decision. And so um, that's another example of a kind of resource we can give people. So that resources section is super powerful. Then the third of the three, after vision and after resources, the third and final is, de- is what's called definition of done. Okay. And so definition of done is what do we need to say, see to sign off on this project is complete. Um, are there contracts that we have to double check if we're working with a partner or if we're working with an outsourced person or if we're working with a client, if we're a service provider? Um, do we need to see some sp- specific specifications nailed, such as dimensions of an image or a file format for a document? Is there sign-offs that have to happen from certain authorities, including maybe me, you know, as the person who's giving the delegation? Um, now, I, you know, there's sometimes some question like, oh, well, Tim, you know, it seems like some of the definition of done should be in vision and, and don't get caught up in the semantics. At the end of the day, we just need to get what's in our head and define success and provide the vision resources definition of done to the person that's receiving it. And if you want to put the timeline and definition of done, fine. If you want to put it in vision, I don't care. But we just got to get it transmitted from us to them. Now, I think the last thing I'll say on this is I think 360 delegation is a two-person exercise. Um, I don't think that it's just on the entrepreneur or just on the assistant or the project manager or whoever's receiving the delegation. I think it's about both parties taking a look at it and saying, oh, Brad, I would love to do this for you, you know, upload your blog, pa- blog, post, epi- um, blog post to your website. But uh, as I'm thinking through this, I actually I don't have the username and password. Can you last pass me that information? Or can you give me the, the login info? Yeah. And you're right. And there, there's a there's a couple reasons why, Brad. One is sometimes one person will take things for granted and doesn't realize the other person doesn't have that knowledge or access or whatever. And the second is that there's oftentimes a, a, a you were talking about the difference between the visionary and the integrator from uh, Mark and Gino's book uh, Rocket Fuel. And the thing is, is that oftentimes those two people have very different Colby scores. Yeah. Okay, and so if you as the visionary are high quick start, low follow through, which is what you would find in your Colby score, um, your 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 low follow through actually isn't hardwired unless you train it. It's not instinctive to unpack projects into smaller pieces that then become delegatable. 
So by having your integrator or assistant or project manager who probably should be high follow through, they're now making up for that lack of wiring in your brain to unpack things. And so by doing the 360 delegation together, you're bringing your vision and your definition of done and we're bringing the assistant or the project manager's ability to unpack your your brain in the project and so together it becomes a successful delegation. I love that and it's it's uh, something I need to be much more cognizant. Um, I know myself going on. The um, Colby score you mentioned, uh, so I'm really familiar with it but there's probably some people out there who don't. You wanna touch on what Colby is? Because it's super, super powerful. You bet, yes. It, a lot of people tell me it's the most practical, useful of any of the psychometric assessment tools that they've ever taken. I mean, that's up for, yeah. you know, that's up for opinion or whatever, but nonetheless, it's it's in the top echelon for sure. From the outside looking in, you might say the Colby Index is a personality test. That's, how, that's what it looks like from the outside. Um, once you understand just a little bit about it, though, it's actually not a personality index. Um, it, it, the why people do things is the combination of three circles, what's called affect, cognitive, and and um, their a person's conation. So, um, and I won't go into a long. This will just be a quick flyover. Um, a person's affect that's their personality, their dreams, goals, desires. Are they outgoing? Are they introverted? Oftentimes, the not always, but a big part of the chemistry that we feel between people is: do we have a match of personality? Um, so uh, Myers-Briggs test is oftentimes used for the affective part of a person's um, how they are. The second area is what's called cognition or the, uh, the cognitive part. That's like problem solving, um, math, um, IQ tests oftentimes address that. Um, a lot of our skill is rooted in our cognition or the cognitive part of our brain. Then the third part of the brain is what's called conation, and that is our working instinct. When I ask you, Brad, to solve a problem or accomplish a goal, what's your instinctive way to go about that? Do you brainstorm a bunch of ideas, or do you go and do a bunch of research first, or do you make a plan? And and so it's it's all it's it's how we instinctively go about things. And so if and I know you've got a high quick start score, mm-hmm. you would. If I said, hey, man, make me, you know, let's build a $100,000 business, you'd probably say, hey, give me a pen and give me a paper or a whiteboard and we're going to brainstorm, you know, 100 ways to make $100,000 and you'd probably be phenomenal at it. Exactly. You know, the the top, you know, the bottom 80% might be ridiculous and not possible and completely unlikely, but the top 20 would be really damn good and then if we did an 80-20 on an 80-20, you'd probably find your top four ideas weren't just $100,000 businesses, they'd be million-dollar businesses, and it's brilliant, and that's just your instinct. Whereas, I actually I actually have a non-entrepreneur, believe it or not, Colby score, uh, you know, a lot of people are surprised when they hear that. For me, I'm about a strategic plan. I'm all about, I want to do a bunch of research first, and then I also want to come up with, like, what is the step-by-step, and what's the plan B, plan C, if plan A doesn't work out. I'm, I'm like, if, if, you and I were business partners. You would be the visionary. I'd be the integrator, mm-hmm. right? So, so the th- the problem arises when we don't know what our own Colby score is, and we start getting mad with ourselves. Like, how come I don't have more follow through on projects? Why aren't Why am I not getting things done? Ugh! I start a hundred things, and I just I only ever finish two. <laughs> and it's like, well, yeah, okay, it's okay to be disappointed in the results or whatever. 
but but don't misallocate. Don't think this is a problem of discipline or a problem. Uh, I mean, maybe it is, but <laughs> for a lot of entrepreneurs, it actually comes back to just you're trying to fit a square peg into a uh, into a round hole. And if you take your Colby score and you realize, oh my goodness, I'm not classic. And like Brad, honestly, 85% of entrepreneurs, in my opinion, from all the hundreds of sessions I've done, are high quick start, low follow through, just like you. And instead of beating themselves up and getting a better morning ritual and you know getting their habits on their side, they just need to realize it's actually teamwork of hiring the right assistant or integrator or project manager that's really going to get them their ultimate freedom. It's not about meditating more on a better outcome. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I want to switch gears a little bit um, to some of the more uh, some of the more useful tools that you've found. I mean. Uh, is there any way that you know some people use slack some people use different communication tools and I know that the tools are not as important as the um, as the framework and the structure and the the thought behind it but is there you know is there any kind of not just tools let me ask you this let me back up places that you like recruiting from tools you like communicating with anything that mm. people can just kind of run with and go man this is really cool this is not just theory this is you know, in application, especially for my folks out there listening who've got a great assistant and they just want to do a little bit better. Sure. So I think the very first tool is 360 delegation. Um, And I think people, it's easy to sign up for a tool or a service and it's harder to acquire a skill. So that's why it's sexy to say, oh, you know, I want to go use Trello or something like that. So I, th- I encourage people to, you know, to gain the skill and get a few reps in a 360 delegation. That's a, a first place to go. Um, I think when it comes to hiring the Colby test, um, people can learn more, more about that at profitfactory.com forward slash Colby, which is the letter K-O-L-B-E, if you want to find out your score and or have your assistant take it. Um, as far as um, – creating any kind of like systems or procedures, um, which is something that people often ask us to have assistants do, is mm-hmm. can my assistant create some procedures? Um, another framework I invented just out of necessity again um, is called Triple Path of Readership. So a person can go to profitfactory.com forward slash triple path of readership, all in word, and it explains how to um, write a procedure the, the, the problems with procedures is number one, actually, I'll back this up. People think systemizing everything is the solution. It's not. <laughs> it's totally not. I don't care what the e-myth says. <laughs> um, you know, um, so, but in the moments where it is appropriate, uh, triple path of readership overcomes the biggest problems with, with systems, and that is um, that they're digestible lightweight, easy to use, to learn, and then secondly is adherence. So people sticking to systems once they've learned how to do them. Oftentimes yeah. people will read a procedure go, oh yeah, I know how to do that, I don't have to look at that anymore. So triple path of readership gets you in a big way past those problems. Once you've got some of your procedures written and set up, I encourage you to use Google Drive to set them up. I've looked at other softwares and I still have yet to find anything that beats Google Drive as far as housing your procedures. Now, obviously, managing projects, a tool like Teamwork PM, and I've heard people talk about Asana and Podio and everything, I still like to host the actual checklist inside of Google Drive. Now, there's a specific way to organize them that makes it super easy. Okay. And I de- so I developed a, a, a method. P- 
people can read about that at profitfactor.com forward slash organize. Profitfactory.com forward slash organize. And okay. if you go there, you can actually download the templates that we use exactly for the different kinds of procedures and people can just start, you know, hit the ground running using that. So when when we've got, you know, I, I kind of mentioned there's three common problems that an assistant will fail. Um, the, the, the first is we hire the wrong person. The second is we do a poor job onboarding them. And the third, which we've now discussed, is we do a poor job delegating to them. And so um, a, a big part of making sure that we onboard people, which is our second of the three issues, is creating some kind of a hiring process and following the Google Drive method um, that I outline at forward slash organize you can see how to you know, create onboarding and training and whatnot and, and have it already sitting in Google Drive for a new assistant. And secondly, and this is a huge hack, this is a huge shortcut, is if your Colby score comes back and you are low follow-through, like Brad Costanzo, mm-hmm. do not try to write all the procedures yourself. Do not try and organize them yourself. In, 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 uh, instinctively, the low follow-through score, like Brad has, is one that looks for shortcuts rather <laughs> than rat rat, and that's a good that that can be a totally, good thing. You're totally in certain right. Situations is like Brad wants to know how do I cut out the bureaucracy? How do I cut out the the silly steps? How do I just really get down to the the fastest path from here to success? Whereas my my Colby score, which is higher follow through, is much more like how do I create order and structure and systems? And even if it's a little bit slower. You know, how do I unpack things? How do I close loops? So there's a time for each Colby score. And when it's time for the structure and the order and the rinse, wash, repeat, um, just get your assistant to do it or get your project manager to do it. Get your ops person, your integrator to do it. And for them, you, you may be astounded to know this, but for them, a perfectly organized Dropbox folder with the perfect hierarchy and consistent naming is so satisfying that they actually like get off on it. And that may, oh, seem, yeah. that, that may seem so weird to the low follow through person, but for but, but so, so just go find a high follow through person and a lot of the, the headache will come off your plate. Yeah, that's, that's, so, that's so true as well. Like I could care, like I, I have a degree of organization there, but it goes off the rails quick. And I've thought about that many times, like just go organize my Dropbox. But um, So in, in that case, if you want your integrator to go organize your Dropbox, just make sure that you use 360 delegation, give them the first 10% of vision of what you're going for, you know, the resources, make sure they get logged into Dropbox, make sure they know you know, what's important to you, how we find the information. Then from there, tell them definition of done. You know, it needs to be in one account, aggregate these three accounts into one account. I need to make sure that all this is done in the next 60 days because we're bringing on some other team members. Do that, Brad. Do a good job of the 10% of leading the work and let your high follow through integrator or assistant go to town with the middle 80%. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So uh, one one more big question, which is, where do you find the best people? Where, where, where have you had success? And I know there's not necessarily one right answer, but there's so many ways to find uh, help from Craigslist to Upwork and Guru.com and Hire My Mom and uh, you know, friends and family and referrals and et cetera, et cetera. There's so many places it can be overwhelming. Have you found anything? 
uh, as a great place to start, at least in the in the cherry picking. Absolutely. So there's two parts to your question. One is what country do I hire from, and the ah, second is what, what website do I go to, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I've hired from India. I've hired from the Philippines. I've hired from Jamaica, Pakistan, U.S., Canada, probably others. I'm not even remembering because I've been hiring people for like eight and a half years now. Um, and here, here's what I've discovered. Um, I had an experience with my first assistant, the one that I blew all the money on. Hmm. And she was in India, and um, she went com- like completely off the map for an entire week. Like yeah. I had no idea where she was. I couldn't get a hold of her, anything like that. And seven days later, I get this flurry of Skype messages, email messages, very apologetic. She was an awesome person. She yeah. was fantastic. There was no problem with her. Her skill set, her English was amazing. Like she was awesome. What had happened, though, was there was a political dispute, and the, the 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 government representative from a neighboring neighborhood got mad with the political person from her neighborhood. They got in this fight, and guy A had the electricity turned off to her neighborhood. No. And I was like, instantly, it made me realize, oh my goodness. This right-hand person that I'm going to depend on is perpetually at the, risk of falling off the map. And no factors, fact of their own. Exactly, for factors completely outside of her own control. And, and then, then I got thinking about, like, well, if I'm going to hire someone and I'm going to trust them with, like, my travel planning, which means <laughs> that they need to have access to my credit card and maybe my passport if they're going to check me in for flights – Etc. 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 I need to trust this person that I could literally run a background check with a police authority that I trust, and like, if things go horribly wrong, which obviously I hope they never ever ever do, and I have to take legal action against this person, I don't know how to navigate the Filipino or Indian or Pakistani legal system. Do I have to bribe people? Do yeah. I have to fly there it's like completely different time zones so if legal paperwork if there is something that was time is of the essence and it's happening in a pakistani court like oh my goodness do i never want to have to deal with any of that with whoever my assistant is that right hand person that i'm giving access to my email inbox and my calendar and you know has contact directly with my even people in my personal life like it's such i mean the number one of the six big issues, remember at the top of the, this podcast episode, we talked about the first of the big six concerns was trust and control. Yep. If I, and I get that other people maybe have different you know, safety zones in their head of what's okay and what's not for me. Trust and control, I could take care of that. And one of the main ways I, I took care of that was by hiring somebody from the U.S. Um, U.S. or Canada, for yeah. that matter. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my first bit of feedback. I know there's people out there that will go and say, yeah, I'm making it work for four bucks an hour in the Philippines with someone doing product listings for me on Amazon or you know, rinse, wash, repeat, something, something, something. And to them, bless them. I'm not here to trash the Philippines. I just know that in my experience, when it comes to my assistant, that right-hand person who is a crucial integrator, project manager, email inbox handler for me, <laughs> Money handler, all the rest, I absolutely want them to be American or Canadian. Uh, similar same time zone, similar same culture, English is the first language, technology, infrastructure is all there. 
and I'm not worried about being distracted every 10 minutes on a Skype call because a 1978 Honda CB50 with no muffler is screaming behind the background <laughs> and now I can't hear the Filipino person for the yeah. next you know 30 seconds of conversation. So yeah, that's hilarious. That's, so that's the country question and that's how I handle that. As far as websites to go to, um, in the past and actually where I got my assistant Sarah from, uh, we used HireMyMom.com mm-hmm. um, and that was a big step up from the absolute avalanche of unqualified uh, applications I would get from uh, Upwork. Yeah. Um, so, but I think you know, for, for for us right now, we're actually going to a different website that is bringing us an even higher caliber person, and that's FlexJobs.com. Um, FlexJobs is extremely strict to to get onto. Like, so just because our parent brand is Profit Factory, and then our program brand is Great Assistant, I have this email address, and I'm not afraid to share it because Sarah manages it anyways, is Tim at ProfitFactory.com. And because I signed up for an account with Tim at ProfitFactory.com, but the logo that we wanted to put on our hiring page was Great Assistant, the FlexJobs people got a little freaked out. They said, is this a scam? You know, because it's a different name. Wow. Like they're so, so sensitive. Um, this is the admin of FlexJobs or like individuals? So this is the the administrator moderator gotcha. of FlexJobs that, that approves a, a employers to come on board and approves them to post their jobs and whatever. Um, you know, and then, and then uh, after that, when they saw that we were an internet company, they were like, again, they're like, is this a scam? Like, you know, so they're so, 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 so strict to the point that I think we got something like banned or delisted three times and wow. then relisted three times and because I had to explain, you know, Great Assistant is a sub-brand of Profit Factory or yes, we're an internet business, but we have legitimate clients. Here's an example of them. And, and in the end, it took me actually putting on, no kidding, a suit huh. and, and I was willing to fly to wherever in North America to meet with someone to shake their hand to say, yes, I'm legitimate. It didn't get it didn't get to that. What it got to was me getting on a video call in a suit with somebody from Flex Jobs and for us to actually have like a heart to heart about what my company really is. And at that point they went like, Okay, all right, we see what you're doing and it ended up they ended up kind of giving us a bit of a a, a special not special privilege, but now we're on the good list. So I think obviously, I think my story is a little more extreme. I think other people can have less headaches with flex jobs. Um, so go ahead and check it out. Part of why it's, you know, part of why it has such a good caliber of candidate is because it's so strict for the employers. Um, yeah. There are no multi-level marketing companies on there. There are no fill surveys from home employers on there. Mm-hmm. There's none of the typical scammy, headachey Real it's real companies. It's real companies. Like Flex Jobs lives and dies by this one set of keywords. Legitimate work from home jobs. Nice. And and they are so strict about that. So it means that when someone is coming, let's say someone's a middle manager at Coca Cola and they they have a, a, a you know maybe they're a project manager even. They, they have a child. They go, geez, I want to work from home. I can't do it for whatever reason with Coca-Cola. Maybe that's going to change in the coming years. But as of right now, uh, it's just not possible. Legitimate work from home jobs. They type that into Google. Flex jobs comes up. 
and they see all these legitimate known entities that have their logos on there, they go, okay, I can trust this. Whereas this Upwork thing or Craigslist, geez, I don't know if the person that I'm applying to work with, if they're a one-man band with some scammy side internet thing, or is this, so it's just so much easier for, for higher level people with business experience from corporate government or professional America to look at flex jobs and say, okay, I trust this. And flex jobs has earned that reputation by being so strict with employers. Um, so I'll give you one last tip or tool here. Um, yeah. Anybody who's tried to hire online will see that like if you do a Craigslist or an Upwork posting, like buckle in because you're going to get hammered with applications. Well, like we're talking hit the refresh button on your inbox every five minutes. Oh, yeah, it sucks. Right. So what can we do? This is another trick I kind of developed. Um, I was actually at a Perry Marshall event. I saw a version of this, and I saw a way to kind of upgrade it for, for our purposes. What can I do to filter out the BS and copy and pasters out there that aren't really, really all that interested? I developed something called the perfect job posting. Um, and, and you can see what it is in its entirety if you go to profitfactory.com forward slash perfect job posting. And what the perfect job posting is, is at some point in your job posting, you say, if you're going to apply for this role, I need you to follow these exact instructions. I need you to write me an email to this email address. The subject line must say, um, insert your name from insert your city interested in marketing job or assistant job or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Then in the body, I need you to write me a five paragraph email. The first paragraph must open with, hey there TF, what's going on up there in Canada? My name is insert my name from insert city um, applying for insert job. Then in in the first body paragraph, so paragraph number two overall, in blue... Times New Roman 12-point font, write me a three-sentence paragraph on why you think you'd be great for the job. In the second paragraph, I want red, Verdana, 11-point, and you know, your second reason why you think you'd be great for the job. Third, in black, Arial, 16-point reason why you think you'd be great for the job. I want this two-sentence closing, and yeah. do not attach your resume. Hey, make them so, jump through hoops. Big time, absolutely. And and if you think about it, Brad, we're looking for somebody who's high follow-through, yeah. right, on the Colby Index, someone who can follow instructions, systems, order, structure, right? And um, look at the massive shortcut it gives us. Um, when you receive the emails to the designated inbox, and by the way, I recommend that you set up a dedicated email inbox that's just for hiring yeah. and that and that way you're not getting distracted in the middle of your workday with these hundreds of applications crashing in your inbox and secondly Brad this is something else is with a custom email inbox you can set up a vacation auto reply on it that says if I don't reply to you within three days consider yourself to be out of the running thank you for applying and that cuts down hundreds of responses that you otherwise might need to give and it cuts down hundreds of follow-up emails that you might get from people that you never intended to hire anyways. So then from there, with the custom email inbox, so we just use, I think it's jobs at profitfactory.com or something, um, and our vacation auto reply set up. Now, in seven days from now, I can batch the activity of going in. I'm sorry, not in seven days, in two days. 
I can go in, look at all the, the like the 300 to 500 applications that have come in. And you know what, Brad? Because I have asked the applicant to use a specific subject line, I don't even have to open all the emails. Anything that does not have the perfect subject line, I just delete it. Just And be ruthless. Be absolutely ruthless. Yeah. If it's wrong by a single character, put a little check mark next to that thing and trash can it immediately. And that will eliminate 70 to 80% of all applicants, um, of, of all bad applicants right away. You'll be left with maybe 20 to 30 applicants, maybe a few more. From those, open them up and look at the body. Did they nail the opening salutation? Did they nail the red font, blue font hoops to jump through? Did they attach a resume? Because they're not supposed to, right? And so from there, only those that have nailed the perfect job posting exactly get a reply from me. So I've just cut out like 95% of probably all applicants and especially 95% of the bad applicants and it really brings me into focus on like probably the top three to five that are going to be good. And now I've just saved myself literally dozens of hours of useless work. So then from there, and obviously we don't have time to get into the whole method we follow. I mean, with Great Assistant, our match rate, or I'm sorry, our stick rate, our 90-day stick rate, how many of the entrepreneurs stick with the assistants? I'm sorry, how many of the assistants stick with the entrepreneurs after 90 days? Right now is 88%, which blows away the industry average, which is currently less than 50%. And, and a big reason why is because we're so strict in, in who we hire in the first place. So I can't get into the whole method of how we do it at, with Great Assistant, but I'll just tell you that once we do the perfect job posting, make them jump through those hoops, then after that, we have um, a, a couple interviews just to confirm that there isn't fraud going on where, like, you know, it's somebody who's a poor English speaker who's looking for a job, but they have their good English speaker friend write all the application type stuff. Like, believe it or not, application fraud is a real thing. <laughs> so yeah. um, so a couple interviews. We actually have a couple work tests as well that we make them do. And we also actually have psychometric assessments where we have them do the Colby Index. Um, and there's another one we're bringing online right now just to further improve the match rate that we have. So all of that happens before our entrepreneur client who's hired us to get them an assistant ever meets their top one to three matches. So you can see it's a whole hiring process that we go through. And the tip of the spear is the perfect job posting. And if someone didn't want to hire us and just wanted to do it themselves, that single tool will save them literally dozens of hours of work. I love that. That's, yeah, that's profound. So, by the way, I, uh, I just posted on the Facebook machine. I said, hey, I'm interviewing Tim Francis right now about how to find and work with great assistants. Any questions? So I got a, I got a couple live ones. This is um, Chris Clothier asks, people, parentheses me, have trouble giving things up. How do you identify what you're willing to give up and not willing to give up? And is it smart to hire someone of high quality in the areas you're trying to hold on to in order to help you have confidence to let go? So the way to identify tasks is using what we call the magic matrix. So if you go to profitfactory.com forward slash magic matrix, yep. that it's literally, it's like a tic-tac-toe diagram and you can write any task, any tool or any project. So a task is the smallest unit. A tool will oftentimes have multiple tasks assigned to it. So if I'm, if a tool is sending an email broadcast, a tool like Infusionsoft has many tasks underneath it, like 
send an email broadcast, add a contact, process a credit card, or whatever. A project is the highest level that we might delegate um, to to an assistant or operations person, and that project will have multiple tools and tasks underneath it. So, but but it doesn't matter if we're at the task level or all the way up to the project level. We write that across the top, and then uh, then going down, we would write strategy, high level skill, setup and coordination. Maintenance and reporting, uh, customer and tech support, and then common skills. And we just run down the list. So if the task is send an email broadcast, what's the strategy strategy of that? Well, um, when are we going to send it? To which audience? And what are we going to sell? That's the strategy. Okay, what's next? High-level skill. What's the high-level skill of sending that same email? The high-level skill is probably the copywriting. Okay, sounds good. Underneath that, setup and coordination. Setup and coordination of sending an email broadcast is getting the copy up into Infusionsoft and scheduling it to go out. What's the maintenance and reporting on that? Maintenance and reporting would be reporting back on how many opens did we get and how many click-throughs did we get? What kind of tech and tech and customer support in that on that same email? Possibly some responses that we get. Okay? Or or maybe there's nothing at all if it's just a content email. Lastly is common skills. Common skills is like what could you hire the 12-year-old kid from across the street to do? Usually it's like running errands, mowing your lawn, setting up yeah. your dining set. Okay, that's common <laughs> skills, right? And and in that case, there's no common skills for this particular task. But the point is, is by taking this single task of sending an email broadcast and unpacking it into these six different levels, now we can see what can be delegated and what can't. And in almost every single situation to you, Chris, and obviously to you as well, Brad, anything that's that strategy and high-level skill, you'll usually want to keep for yourself. Usually, not always, but usually. And then everything below that, usually, you'll want to delegate to an assistant. And the very first person to hire is your assistant because we need we need to get a mini-me of you first so that you can climb that 80-20 curve. And then it's time to start getting domain-specific experts like, say, a copywriter to do some of the copywriting for you. Absolutely. But it makes But it makes no sense to go hire a, a copy cub for 50 bucks an hour to take over the copywriting part of that email broadcast when you as the entrepreneur could be doing that $50 an hour work and instead take the setup of the email broadcast or the maintenance or the reporting of that email broadcast, which is the same 60 minutes, and have that handed off to an assistant for $15 an hour, right? Yeah. So so that's why I say a mini-me is always the first step is because you have so much 10 to $20 an hour work you're doing yourself that we just got to get that off your plate as the first step. Yeah, and you know, that actually reminds me of one uh, piece of advice that a friend of mine gave me years ago who was great at outsourcing, delegation, hiring. Like this was his one of his biggest strengths in systems, et cetera, which was um, – he goes, one of my first hires – obviously your assistant, but uh, one of my first hires is a uh, is basically a recruiting manager, a recruiting assistant because I want them to understand me, but I, their primary goal is to then hire because if you can mm. get somebody in, because obviously I want them to assist me, but I want them to assist me and then with a very, very strong core um, goal is you are going to learn the hiring process because obviously we're going to hire some more people, uh, et cetera, to do your job, not to do your job, but to, to offload all the little stuff that you're learning. You have to learn them enough for me to you know, for you to be able to hire it done. But he goes, yeah, it's one of, that's one of the very first things I do is uh, make sure that they understand they're going to be a recruiting manager as well, <laughs> yeah, at least as well mm-hmm. as my assistant. Um, 
that being said, that's a good segue to tee it up for you a little bit more how you work with people because a lot of this stuff is awesome. Like not a lot of it. All of it's awesome. Mm -hmm. It's all needed. It's also for a person like myself who – you know, a certain 6292 on the Colby score. Guys, if you don't know Colby, <laughs> go to klbe.com. I'm like, hey, Magic Matrix, that's cool. How to organize all this other shit. Can I get somebody to do all this for me? Because, like, I need an assistant to help me find an assistant. That's what you do, though, right? Yeah, we, we offer a done-for-you service cool. where we will we will do all of the – advertising for an assistant. We will do all the screening of the hundreds of applications that come in. We will do the Colby testing, the work testing, the pre-interviews. We will do all of that. Um, and we will present you, the entrepreneur, with one to three top shelf candidates that most likely, most, 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 most likely will stick. We've got like an 88% stick rate right now. Um, Beyond that, we actually go another step further because we're actually not just a matching company. We also are a training company. So there's actually when someone becomes when an entrepreneur becomes a client of Great Assistant, we'll also provide the entrepreneur with some training on how to do Magic Matrix and how to be a good delegator. We also provide training to the assistant on how to do things like taking over your email inbox, like some of the basic tools of whatever it is you're using, if it's WordPress or Infusionsoft or parts of customer service or whatever it is that you need in those first few tasks to, to win the first five hours a week back for yourself. We, we take care of coordinating that training for the assistant so you don't have to be spending hours upon hours surfing the net trying to find YouTube videos to train your new assistant on how to do things in the very beginning. And on top of that, in not, we're not just a matching company and not just a training company, but we're actually, we also provide onboarding help as well. So it's like consulting. So Nancy and our team will literally sit on Skype with you, the entrepreneur, and with your new assistant, and she'll work with you as you go through those first few 360 delegations so that the two of you can build the, the skills, the tools, the confidence, and the rapport between the two of you to really hit the ground running together. So we provide all three prongs, the matching and the training and the consulting to help you get off the ground. And it really tackles all three of the main issues that happen when assistants fail. And those are hiring the wrong person, doing a poor job onboarding, and doing a poor job delegating. So we actually fix all three of those issues. We don't have a 100% success rate, like mm -hmm. stick rate, it's it's eighty eight percent, which blows away the industry pretty, average. Pretty darn good. Pretty darn good. Um, however, it's not one hundred percent. We know that, so we we offer a ninety day replacement guarantee. That if you're part of the twelve percent that doesn't stick with their assistant for the the first ninety days, either. And sometimes sometimes you know it doesn't work out because somebody gets pregnant. You know what I mean? Like it's sometimes it's a great match. Otherwise, but just life changes happen or something. And even in that scenario, we're still going to honor the 90 day replacement guarantee to, to get a replacement assistant. Nice. I love that. So best way to get a hold of you more and find out more information, greatassistant.com or you got something else? 
greatassistant.com is the place to go. If people have questions for me, they can email me, tim at greatassistant.com or tim at profitfactory.com. doesn't matter. We've kind of talked about both today. Cool. And um, most likely, it'll be Sarah who replies. <laughs> as, <laughs> as, it as it should uh, be. Yeah, as, yeah, exactly. And, and more than, you know, maybe just as a final note, I, I just really want to let everybody know, like, getting an assistant allowed me to go from charging $40 an hour as a consultant to $1,000 an hour. And that, it, it, it was me just literally doing exactly what I've told you in today's call, finding the bottom 80% of tasks that are the 10 to $20 an hour work and creating that second list for myself, which is the top 20% of work, kind of like what Perry Marshall talks about, climbing that 80-20 curve, and then just finding and replacing, finding what is the bottom 20, you know, 80% task that's 10 bucks an hour or 15 bucks an hour. And Brad, it's simple stuff. This is not rocket science. Like, mm-hmm. Don't make it harder than it needs to be. The first task I handed off to Sarah was uploading podcast episodes to iTunes. That's it. That's how the whole process started was just that single task. And and then over time, just doing that again and again and again and realizing for myself, spending time to coach an assistant is not BS work. It's not a distraction from my main work. It's my new job because I'm moving from doing the work to leading the work. And coaching is a huge part of that. And so just by going through that process and focusing on and I'm just getting more and more time to focus on the top 20%, just allowed me to find bigger clients, attend bigger masterminds, which made me more money, which then I could turn around and go to even higher level masterminds and be away from my desk for longer stretches. And now, I mean, I've gone away to Hawaii for eight days, not on business, but just as a personal vacation. I turn on my phone once for 10 or 15 minutes in the middle of the trip just to make sure nobody died back home. And aside from that, my phone was off. Beautiful. email, no text, nothing. And the best part of all, Brad, and I didn't foresee this until it happened. When I came home, there was no welcome home avalanche of 500 emails. So, you know, this is so possible. Take it from somebody who's done it. I know it. I live it every day. And, um, and we help entrepreneurs get there every single day as well. It, it, It is possible. It's a few extra steps than what the four-hour work week makes it sound like. Um, but it is possible. And you know, so, you do the work now. It's I, I I think of it the same. Like there's an adage with um, health, right? Like you know, pay for pay with your whether it's your investment, like money or your time and energy in mm-hmm. uh, health now, or pay for sickness later. Right, like, hey, if you're not willing to do the work now, go to the gym, eat healthy, etc. You, or, or or hire a personal trainer, you're going to be paying for drugs and doctor bills and all this other stuff in the future. Well, it's the same thing here. It's the opportunity cost, really, is what you're losing. You're going to pay now with time, energy, and money to get to learn this, to get it right, or you're going to pay later on with missed profits, missed opportunities, and all that other crap. Um, I appreciate everything you've been saying here, and I, uh, I'm. Now, you know, happy to call you a friend and happy to have talked, you know, several times and looking forward to, uh, you know, even potentially working together here in the future as I, uh, you know, expand my team. There may be some opportunities. And I encourage everybody else out there to check out Great Assistant, check out the resources and the pages that Tim left. Tim, uh, last question I want to ask you is there any nut you're trying to crack in your business, your life right now? And by that, by, you know, what nut are you trying to crack? I mean, is there any skill you're trying to learn, a resource you're trying to uh, gather, uh, a person you're trying to meet, a challenge you're trying to over- overcome, like a nut you're trying to crack? Is there anything going on that myself, my listeners, et cetera, mm. may be able to jog our brains and help you? That's, yeah, it's a very generous question. Thank you. 
So people who are entrepreneurs are oftentimes high quick start and high quick starts oftentimes are phenomenal at just like reaching out and meeting a ton of people and networking and building their network of partners very quickly. Um, I'm far slower at that and I would rather sit in the lab, be the integrator to myself and work on my thinking models and fine tune the Swiss watch rather than just throwing a bunch of spaghetti on the wall. And right. so what it means is I, what I need right now is just introductions to people who want to find the freedom um, that comes from having a great assistant. Everything I've shared in today's episode, I would love to be able to share that more. If anybody's got other podcasts, if anybody needs a live speaker at a live event, um, you can see I've got a ton of very actionable insight and tools that people can take. I have research to share. It's like very, very you know, evidence-based. Um, so if there's any stages, any YouTube channels, any podcasts, any businesses that want me to come and speak to them or their employees, anything like that to just help spread the word. Um, whether people hire us or not ever, I th just think that like there's a lot of people out there who are entrepreneurs who started with the dream of freedom only to discover that their business is worse than when they had a job. They're working longer hours, they have less freedom. And the thing is, is it's just a few skills and tools away from being able to fix that problem. And likewise, there's actually also a ton of people dying for legitimate work from home jobs that would love to be your assistant. And if you're not getting an assistant, they're missing out as well. So everybody is better off, and you know, entrepreneur and assistant when we get the right people in the right, it's so cliched, but you know, into the right spots on the bus doing the right work. And it's all so doable. So the more I can just share that word with people, help people get what they really want, whether it's as an entrepreneur and assistant, obviously the, the better I feel and the bigger impact I can make and, and the more profitable my business becomes. I love that. <laughs> There's also a saying, like if, if you don't have an assistant, you are one. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, uh, anyway, I thought that was funny. That being said, man, I appreciate you stopping by the show today. This has been an epic, uh, epic episode. Uh, uh, what do I call them? I call them episizzles on bacon wrap business. So <laughs> thanks for the, doing a great episizzle. I uh, hope everybody learned a lot and goes and checks out Tim's, uh, services his content. You've got given a lot, uh, over on greatassisting.com and profitfactory.com as well. But uh, thanks for joining me, brother, and we will talk soon. To all of my listeners, if you've liked this, share it and send me emails, uh, happy emails, frustrated emails, challenging emails. Uh, what are you going through? To ask Brad at baconwrappedbusiness.com. See you guys next time. <laughs>